0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into CrushTheStreet.com. I'm Kenneth Amanduri, and I'm joined today with someone who's a returning guest, someone who we've always just appreciated here so much at Crush The Street for giving us insight on what is going on in precious metals and a pulse for what is happening in the physical world. I just ordered my own um, uh, additional silver rounds from Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin, got it in last week when the price dropped, and was pretty excited about that. Uh, I appreciate, I th- and I think a lot of us feel this, I, we appreciate stacking at these levels, but at some point we want to see it rise, you know, and I think a lot of us are scratching our heads wondering why uh, we're seeing silver uh, with a two in front of it uh, and, you know, not maybe a five or, or even a triple digit number. Uh, with what we've seen happen i mean the supply chain issues logistics the inflation uh everywhere else in a sense but in precious metals and so i think we're going to be able to get into that today um i don't don't get me wrong i am very bullish on gold and silver and uh, all of these reasons are make me more so uh bullish for it so we're going to be getting into that today Andy thank you so much for coming on the show with me
1: Great to be here, Ken. I appreciate the opportunity. It's always good to see you and uh, I'm glad you're doing well. You're looking thank good. you.
0: Thank you. And, and likewise. Well, uh, let's get into that. Maybe you can address some of that. I, I kind of want to talk to you about just the dysfunctions in the economy. I mean, we have uh, boats parked out in Long Beach. People don't want to work. Uh, government checks and handouts that are seemingly going to be indefinite, just a, a decapitation of the middle class in, in so many ways. yet we aren't seeing that reflected in these in the crisis hedge, you know that we like to think gold and silver are, which I believe they are, just in the interim haven't been reflecting that uh, you know in at least the spot paper price. but I, I, I'm looking forward to getting into this with you. Uh, What's going on in the physical and, you know, kind of the whole macro picture. But I'd like you to respond to that if you would.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's no legitimate reason, first and foremost, for gold and silver to be behaving the way they are other than it's manipulation on many, many levels. And, you know, you can start with saying it's the canary in the gold mine, that um, the minute the, the, Volatility and the counterintuitive action of the gold market, which is in the silver market, which has been pervasive for a very long time is part of the reason that has enabled the dollar to be, um, still be the world reserve currency to continue to be um, sought after in terms of global settlement because the fundamentals behind it certainly uh, do not warrant gold price and the silver price where they are the I'm going to give you a couple of examples of of how this plays out but what I take away first and foremost from the action on the comex is not what is happening with the price it's what's happening on the platform itself underneath the surface i talked a lot about in 2020 this group called the others uh which is a third reportable on the comex market so Let me get a little bit more uh, specific here. Um, Each week, the commodity exchange publishes a a report called The Commitment of Traders, which shows the positioning of the largest traders on the COMEX market. Normally, it's always been the speculators on one hand called the specs, which are the hedge funds, and the commercials on the other side with Goldman and JP and whatnot. So you would see the positioning of the big banks and the big hedge funds, and that was it. And last year out of nowhere came this group of reportables, out of nowhere, this third group called the Others, which we've never seen before. And these are believed to be sovereign wealth funds. Last year, um, using the levered paper price alongside the commercial banks, these Others are in essence challenging the commercial banks' ability to continue to suppress the price. Because what happened was last year, they took over 300 million ounces of silver off the exchange. They took more gold off the exchange than the uh, Bank of Japan holds in its official holdings. So this, this group of highly sophisticated and informed and wealthy private investors, in essence, has been draining the COMEX for the last 18 months. So that was 2020. You know, by the way, 300 million ounces of silver that were taken off last year, that's literally 10 years worth of deliveries than anything I've ever seen. Massive, massive, massive amounts using the the manipulated paper price. Using in the Jitsu uh, parlance, they're using their opponents leverage against them. Where in uh, years past, the commercial banks would naked short the price tremendously And it would break the back of everyone and they would cover their shorts, rinse, wash, and repeat, let it rise and do the same thing again. So let's see what's happening now in 2021. I think you'll see where I'm going with this. So let's go back to, I think it was August 9th. I think that was the date thereabouts when the price of gold fell by a hundred dollars. And, uh, so that evening, it was a Sunday night and, um, the, I believe it was a Sunday night, uh, the price of gold was sitting on the 200 day moving average. Um, in technical analysis, the 200 day moving average, either side of it, very often is the delineation between bull trend and bear trend, especially when accompanied with momentum. So in the middle of the night, 4.35 o'clock in the morning when New York had not opened yet and London had just closed, this is called the access market. It's a little slip sliver of the market that allow trades are allowed to be done, but it's certainly not the time to do much of any trading because it's in essence, the market is sleeping um, as it moves from London to New York. So someone in the middle of the evening at this point, point, 435 in the morning, Eastern time, uh, dumped, I believe, 4 million ounces of gold onto the market. We're talking eight, almost $8 billion. Now, uh, actually, might have been a little bit less than that, three or four million. The number escapes me, but it's right in that neighborhood. Three to four million ounces were dumped right onto the market in the middle of the night. Now, the trader who would have done something like this would have been fired and shot, and most likely not in that order, uh, because what you are guaranteeing to do is drive the price down Uh, Tremendously. Now remember, it was sitting on the 200-day moving average, the delineation between bull trend and bear trend. When you add momentum into that, it becomes one or the other, at least in terms of technical analysis. So in the middle of the night, the price drives down through the 200-day moving average as they dump the price or dump, uh, dump millions of ounces of gold at the most unopportune time. Price gets cratered. As it's falling, it hits all the stops that the hedge funds would have been positioned at, the long funds on on, uh, the exchange on Wall Street, all of these funds, their stops, these algorithmic stops would have been triggered the entire way down. Bang, 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 bang. So it keeps falling and falling and falling and falling faster. And by the time it hits New York, all of these funds would have been literally stopped out of their long position even before they got into the office. So they get into the office at seven in the morning or whatever time it is. Gold's down to twenty, silver's down to twenty-two bucks. Fell over a dollar. Gold's fallen by a hundred bucks. When that happened, several of the commercial banks immediately covered over two million ounces of gold. Bang! They covered, and the price shoots up forty bucks. So I'm gonna stop right here for a second before I get to the real piece of the puzzle, and that is the commercial banks probably who pushed the ball down the hill knew that by doing so with momentum would trigger the stops. They knew where all the funds were positioned. The funds sell um, because the the, uh, algorithms that run these funds immediately would have been triggered. They sell, the price falls more and more and more. And the commercial banks then are able to cover old short positions they have at $100 less an ounce and silver at a buck an ounce less. Great, that's what they've been doing for a long time. And there's certainly empirical evidence that show that's what was happening more relevant to any of this and this is what I want people to understand is that I have been on a crusade for the past year and a half talking about the reclassification of gold through Basel III, uh, the others who are massively accumulating gold and silver, the central banks who have been massively accumulating gold and silver, the commercial banks massively accumulating gold and silver like JP Morgan who has a, a billion ounces of silver and 35 million ounces of gold accumulated over the last few years while paying a $920 million fine to the Justice Department. I've been showing how the biggest money in the world has been using the levered price of the manipulated levered price on COMEX to corner the physical market. So when the price fell by hundred bucks into New York, someone on this other's side knew exactly what was gonna happen because the minute it hits New York down hundred bucks, what does he do? Accumulates thirty-eight thousand December gold contracts. What was sold in the middle of the night were December gold contracts. They um, they forward sold short selling into the marketplace. Uh, This others this 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 group of sophisticated probably sovereign wealth funds or family offices or extremely wealthy people uh, purchased thirty-eight thousand Comex contracts. They then over the next week or two, added another 2,000 to a open long position right now of over 40,000 December gold contracts. Now let's talk about that for a second. One trader purchasing 40,000 contracts, that's 4 million ounces of gold. That's $7.5 billion value. That's an initial margin deposit of over $330 million. Now, if they do exactly what I believe they will do, uh, which is continue to stand for the delivery the way that they have been doing for the past uh, year and a half, that means in December they are going to stand for delivery on uh, a massive, massive, massive amount of goal that um, is, when we put it in comparison, you know, we talked about... Um, that Palantir group. And a lot of people were talking about Palantir a few months ago, this group that bought $50 million worth of gold. They're this uh, uh, Silicon Valley high-tech company that all this cash and it was all over the news and they were kind of painted as, you know, whack jobs and why would they do this? And it's 130 times the amount of gold that this one trader bought, 130 times that amount. So you're talking massive money massive, massive money is using the manipulated price of gold against the establishment who has been holding it down to create a perception of reality that the dollar is good and the Western markets are are safe and stable. They are using that leverage against them to reposition and to de-dollarize. And if you go all the way back to 2017, you see a pattern starting with the commercial, or the central banks reclassifying gold, massively buying it since 2017, the commercial banks doing the same thing, the rise of these others who are standing for delivery. That's the difference. You know, if you ever, if people out there who play poker, you can call these commercial banks, the big chip stack who bluff, I'm all in. So let's look at what they did. Someone naked shorted in the middle of the night, three, 4 million ounces of gold and for December contracts. Now, in most of, the, uh, most of the occasions, that drives the price down, everyone sells, everyone falls out of the tree. You have a group here, this group, the others, who we don't know exactly who they are, but believe to be sovereign wealth funds and family offices saying, I call. And they buy December contracts enough to, you know, seven and a half billion dollars worth, and they will stand for delivery come December one. That's what they've been doing. They're draining the COMEX systematically of its gold and silver. So, when we talk about a price that is acting counterintuitively and not behaving, Ken, it is by design. It is by design to keep all of us saying just that screw gold, I'll buy Bitcoin, screw, you know, I'll buy the SP, I'll buy anything but gold and silver. Yet, the most sophisticated private money in the world, and I would argue the central banks and the commercial banks, the biggest money in the world, has been using that rhetoric and that price action and that counterintuitive mentality to run cover, to accumulate the largest supply of gold and silver the world has ever seen. And we will all wake up one morning to a new reality. Yeah. Why the hell would gold have ever been reclassified tier one, why? And why would why do that in 2019, but then look at the massive amount of accumulation that started two years before and continuing through all of it under one general theme using the manipulated paper price to run cover for this massive accumulation so that all of us commentators out there saying, well, gold and silver, why isn't it going up? That's exactly what they want. And if they weren't buying so much, if one trader wasn't standing delivery or buying seven and a half billion dollars worth of gold, emblematic of everything I've seen over the past several years, I would have far less enthusiasm. But I think this is classic misdirection 101. They are misdirecting the public with price and rhetoric and using it to uncover, to accumulate the largest positions the world has ever seen in physical commodities. So
0: well, but your go. A- Andy, you know, it's interesting. You know, what we're talking about is sort of a fringe thing. I mean, CNBC would kind of brush this off as such a small section of the general market. Uh, But what we're talking about, I mean, this is on a massive scale. You've alluded to it. And I just, maybe you can articulate that. Like how big of a deal is it to central banks, the price of gold, you know, and just maybe make that point again, because they make it sound like it's nothing. Like what we're talking about, you know, we're we're such a small part of the market. Who cares about gold? Who cares about silver? And, and, you know, and and like the banks, the commercial banks that are doing this, how big of a deal is it for their for their finances, their portfolios, you know what I mean? Or is it just, is, is, are they worried about real estate? Are they worried about interest rates? They're worried about other things. This thing that they're doing with gold and silver is that that's just like a sideshow, but is it, it's not really a sideshow. Any way to kind of get an idea of how important this is on a bigger level?
1: Well, I'm gonna answer the, the part of your question first and I'll come back to what you're saying. Look. Uh, interest rates are the key to everything. I mean, it's been the manipulation of interest rates more than the manipulation of gold that has created all of these distortions. And um, the manipulation of interest rates has created an illusion of prosperity in in the country, but it's also created great distortions. And uh, uh, Ludwig von Mises would call this the crack up boom, where because of all these distortions in price, you see misallocations of capital and you see uh, the whole system that has been levered up so much, all of it inversely correlated to the rise in interest rates. So certainly at some point when interest rates rise, the three pillars of wealth in this country, stocks, bonds and real estate, which are all at all time highs and inversely correlated to a rise in interest rates, have a spiritual experience. But to answer your question, how important is it? Well, you know, let's just go back and I've probably talked about this with you before, but it bears repeating because look, I've been saying the same thing for the last year and a half. It's all that matters to me. You can see the crumbs that are being left behind. You go back to 2017, the central banks were all net sellers of gold. The German Bundesbank all of a sudden, out of nowhere says to the world, give us back our gold to the United States. Within a month of that happening, uh, Bank of uh, Hungary, Turkey, Poland, the Dutch National Bank, Bank of Austria. They all started saying, give us back our gold to the New York Fed and to the Bank of England. 2018, to your question, how important is it to the central banks? Those same central banks who had just requested repatriation of the gold that the US and England have been holding since World War II uh, said, um, well, they bought more gold as a group than they did in the previous 60 years combined. 2019, those numbers continue to rise, and we see the Bank of International Settlements in April reclassify gold as tier one, the only other tier one reserve asset in the world next to US dollars. So they front ran a decision, copiously buy it, repatriate it, and then reclassify it tier one. You've seen this cycle continue where the commercial banks are accumulating it. How big is it for the commercial banks? Well, you tell me, JP Morgan amassed one billion ounces of silver, and 35 million ounces of gold, the largest physical position the world has ever seen, paid a $920 million fine for doing so, uh, yet their are made a billion dollars last year. Uh, they walked way up 80 million. So, But the point of it is, is that the commercial banks are accumulating massive amounts, even so much as to pay fines to the Justice Department for doing so you're seeing huge deliveries off of COMEX. So when you talk about how important is it, um, look, uh, there will come a time, I think, when interest rates rise and it will be a a spiritual experience for a lot of people in this country. And um, rising gold and silver signals, obviously problems with the currency. They wanna keep it muted, but at the same time, their actions betray them. Uh, because you can see the biggest money in the world is de-dollarizing slowly. They're accumulating it without gaining any, um, uh, there's no light being shown upon what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that it's, it's very, very, very important. I think to keep the illusion going, you have to kill the canary, and that's rising gold and silver prices. But if it weren't for the fact that it was reclassified tier one, and the biggest money in the world from the central banks on down have been on a accumulation spree, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at things the way that I do, but can, I think it's, it's a whole lot more than just making money. What it is, is it is the kryptonite to the dollar in the Western system. And that's what they're trying to avoid. But here again, their actions are betraying what they're saying. And, um, so I think ultimately what we see is a problem with interest rates. Period. And you know, there's a term in economics called Gibson's paradox, which is the inverse relationship between real interest rates and gold. And so, if you have really low interest rates, you have to have you have to kill the canary in the mine shaft, as gold should take off. But when we look at 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 interest rates, look, uh, what could make interest rates rise right now? What could kill all of this? When you see um, uh, a, a you know 150 billion a month being purchased in U.S. Treasuries by by the Fed that we know of, and that's to keep interest rates low to keep this whole thing going. What could cause interest rates to rise? Well, how about what happened in Afghanistan, uh, or excuse me, in Saudi Arabia the day we left Afghanistan? I think it was September 1st. You know the media does such a poor job about talking about any of this stuff, but. You know, 50 years ago, August, right around the time gold got clubbed, it was the it was uh excuse me, last August and then 50 years back, it was the anniversary of the 50-year closing of the gold window. So I'm trying to say here, just this last August. Right around the day that gold got smacked, we crossed that anniversary of Nixon severing the gold window, making the dollar fiat. Three years later, 1974. Um, the Kissinger went to Saudi Arabia and struck a deal with the Saudis and said, we'll protect you. Uh, We'll have a joint military cooperation agreement. And for that, you'll value oil globally in dollars. So the day that we left Afghanistan rather unharmoniously Saudi Arabia, and I think there is no coincidence to this announcement, announces a joint military cooperation agreement with Russia. Uh, The next day, Russia announces the same thing with Nigeria. So what has enabled the dollar to be the petrodollar or the world reserve currency since 1974 has been our protection of the Saudi kingdom. So after we show how we protect our allies by leaving Afghanistan, the next day they announce an agreement with Russia. So here's what I think ultimately could happen. And then you think about all this repositioning that's been going on the big money is always sitting in the deck chair before things get crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've been repositioning, buying gold, de-dollarizing. What will what I think could very well happen is we wake up on a Monday morning, and Saudi Arabia in the middle of the night, which is Monday morning their time, Sunday, uh, announces that they have decided to through OPEC uh, accept oil in other currencies: the yen, the yuan, the ruble. Um, and you have Russia protecting the two biggest oil-producing OPEC member countries in the world, Saudi Arabia and Nigeria, who, what are we going to do, declare war on Russia? The next day after they did that, Russia announced, Google Google this on or find it on Zero Hedge, that they have outfitted all of their nuclear submarines and their uh, uh, destroyers with hypersonic ICBMs. And this is a, a Um, uh, technology that the U.S. is two or three years behind, the article went on to say these things can circle the globe uh, uh, at Mach 7 and then hit their target at the speed of an asteroid. I mean, they can't be really knocked down. That's their way of saying, and pardon my French, don't fuck with us. The same time you have them protecting Nigeria and uh, Saudi Arabia, you have the Chinese embarking upon the the largest infrastructure project in human history which is the uh, Chinese Belt Road and Rail Initiative. And, and you're connecting 75% of human history. So if we mess with Nigeria, we're messing with China and Russia. If we mess with Saudi Arabia, we're messing with Russia. And you're talking uh, checkmate. If they do that, you will wake up one morning to see interest rates going parabolic, the dollar crashing as the majority of the world who doesn't like the United States will find any excuse they can to dump dollars to buy something else to allow them to buy oil. And um, I think that's coming. I I truly believe that is coming because what we are doing to the value of the dollar uh, and and to the treasury market, certainly is not proper compensation for the risk of holding our currency and or our treasuries. I think the world is, is growing tired of the dollar as the world reserve currency. And if you look at all of these pieces being put in place like on a chessboard, It's really close to checkmate, Ken, and I I think we're closer to that than we've ever been. So how big is it? What could it ultimately do? I think it's a whole hell of a lot bigger than people think. And a catalyst like uh, Saudi Arabia or OPEC making that announcement uh, overnight would take the whole chessboard and throw it up in the air and the pieces go where they go, and it'd start all over. And I do believe that's coming, honest to God.
0: You know. I, I really think on even a, a more macro level, and, and I guess more of a social level, we're seeing people start to question the mainstream media more and more. Uh, there's a lot of ma- big liberals, I would say, that we're kind of more hook line and sinker with the mainstream media that are starting to question the the narrative. I mean, I, I would say Joe Rogan's the the top one, uh, and and you know just when you start to say, hey, wait a minute, what's wrong with something, that little door kind of can lead down a rabbit hole because you're not jaded and blinded by, you know, a, an altruistic uh, entity that you believe in. And you know what I mean? Once you start to question something, that leaves the door to criticize and to go down a rabbit hole. And I think, I think there's an opportunity for uh, a lot of people in the mainstream, and I'm not saying the mainstream media, but uh, mainstream personalities. I mean, we have like J.P. Sears. He was once a liberal that has become, uh, you know, a big comic, uh, but very questionable to the mainstream. And Joe Rogan, again, you know, he had the CNN guy putting him on blast. I mean, I how much damage did that do to the conventional narrative? You're talking Sanjay Gupta? Yeah.
1: That was an unbelievable, unbelievable interview And I think anyone who questions that we're being lied to by the media and by the establishment needs to watch the Sanjay Gupta interview with Joe Rogan. It'll blow you away. And I guarantee you, he got off that interview and said, what the hell did I just do? Sanjay did.
0: (laughs) I was really blown away that that actually happened, that he agreed to do that because Wow. that He really put himself out there. He put CNN out there. And I think there's an, an opening here for more truth to be uncovered. That, that's where I'm going with this, um, Andy. I, I really think the truth is going to surface in, in indirect ways. And, that's the, and I'm talking about it on a macro level. I mean, the, the way we're going down this whole COVID pandemic, the censorship of therapeutics, I mean, what's going on with the vaccine being 95% effective, And then now people with the vaccine are giving it to one another. They're not talking about natural immunities. I mean, it's just it's another topic, but it's all being covered up by the same people. And I'm just I'm blown away by it. But I think a lot of truth is going to surface. That's that's the optimism in this.
1: Well, I I agree. And and you can just talking about the things that I said earlier, when you talk about a media that is biased, why would we not know? that gold was reclassified tier one. Why would we not know, which was the same thing as U.S. dollars, the only other one in the world. Why would we not hear everyone here that Saudi Arabia struck a joint military cooperation agreement with Russia, which undermines the dollar's uh, uh, hegemony as the world reserve currency. It's the one thing that, that that protection of the Saudi kingdom is the one thing that has enabled the dollar to be the world reserve currency. Why is the media not talking about it? Um, Uh, why, why is the media not telling us things that, that we really ought to know, like the Chinese belt road and rail initiative, where it's the largest infrastructure project ever attempted in human history using the Chinese digital yuan. So you have 75% of the world that is being moved away from the U S dollar. There are things that are so important that no one is telling us. And when you talk about it on that level, um, in terms of socially and morally, you know, you have a whole group of people on the left that are very well read. They're just reading the wrong things and they're being told the wrong things, and they don't have the ability to see through the the, the rhetoric. I I think these are very scary times, honestly. I truly do, because never before have we seen a period of time where you have. All of these markets at all time highs, all inversely correlated to what ultimately will happen, a rise in interest rates. And everyone who has all their wealth in the traditional forms of of wealth in this country in stocks, bonds, and real estate are going to have a day of reckoning at some point. And and whether it be um, by hook or crook, there's no way around it. The Fed cannot continue to hold interest rates down in this environment, ultimately, where 50% 50% of every dollar ever created in the history of this country has been done in the last 20 months. It doesn't work that way. And um, I just, I think that there's going to come a seminal moment where uh, people are going to want to understand the importance of mitigation to the U.S. dollar and to the U.S. markets. And it's never been more important, Ken. That I will tell you. There's something very interesting I'd like to read you in talking about Ludwig von Mises. And as I mentioned, this is what he would call the crack up boom. He wrote this, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, but it's, it's quite fascinating. First of all, um, I'd like to put this in reference. Well, I'll, I'll read it slowly and then I'll stop and, and make a comparison as to where we are. He says, there is no means of avoiding the final collapse of a boom brought about by a credit expansion. Well, that's what we've seen massive credit expansion over the last several in the last decade. Where credit has expanded, you have record debt everywhere, and student debt, and auto debt, and mortgage debt, and you know credit card debt, uh, on and on and on. It's a massive expansion in credit. The alternative is only whether the crisis should come sooner as the result of a voluntary abandonment of further credit expansion. Stop there. 1.14 trillion dollars into the reverse repo market the other night. Uh, uh, Wells Fargo and Chase closing their lines of credit. So you have 1.14 trillion into the reverse repo market. That means that the banks and the big money would rather give their money to the Fed overnight at five basis points than lend it to you to go buy a new car if you could find one uh, at 5%, 100 times the return. They would rather take that money that they use to generate revenue by making loans and give it to the Fed, which is safe, earning next to nothing, rather than give it to you and I, or Wells or JP closing their lines of credit because they don't wanna lend it out into the system. They're afraid of what's coming. So let me read that again. There is no means of avoiding the final collapse of a boom brought about by the credit expansion. The alternative is only whether the crisis should come sooner as the result of a voluntary abandonment of further credit expansion or later, as a final and total catastrophe of the currency system involved. So either the banks, which they already do, rein in the credit and the, 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 it starts to deflate because they're not pumping more air into the balloon, or you pump so much air into the balloon and create so many currency units, which we have done 50% in the last 20 months of every dollar ever created in the history of this country, you're blowing up the system. You're destroying the currency. So what he basically says is we are in that crack up boom phase right now where the distortions created by easy money and, and, and all of this is, uh, expansion of credit and low interest rates have created distortions in all the prices, which is true. Look at the prices of your home. Look at the price of food. Look at the price of energy. Oh, wait, by the way, those three things, they're not calculated in the government measurement of inflation in the CPI. They don't. They don't think we need to eat Drive heat or cool your home, or or live in a home, right? So you know the point of it is, is that they're not even telling us what the real levels of inflation are. But with that being said, uh, we have, I believe, a a we're sitting right on this this precipice where all of the distortions and misallocations have created impossibility in price discovery, um, and so the banks closing lines of credit and, and reeling in their, their risk tolerance, so to speak, to, to the market, uh, or all the money going into the reverse repo market, which is record amounts every night. They don't wanna lend it out. So the banks are already pulling back the credit. The currency is being destroyed. He's right. Whether it be an all-out currency destruction or as, it, as, as you throw in the piece of Saudi And they make that announcement and dollars just get pummeled into uh, our our homeland, crushing the value of the dollar. One way or the other, interest rates are going to rise. And when you have stocks, bonds, and real estates at all-time highs and everyone levered into it, it's going to be a spiritual experience, Ken. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. And, you know, when you talk about guys like Ludwig von Mises, who, you know, 100 or 200 years ago, however long it was, um made these declarations. He's doing it upon mathematics and economics. And you can only run from this for so long before you get caught. And I think that is going to happen, whether it be today, tomorrow, whether it be the Saudi making Saudis making that announcement, uh, whether it be whatever it be. We're so far close to that that seminal moment. Um, I think, people holding all their money in dollars are destined to go broke right now. And if you don't start to mitigate your exposure like the biggest money in the world has been doing for the last several years quietly and de-dollarize and take a step back and get out of that matrix, I think when it cascades, when it breaks, it's gonna happen so fast and with such fury that uh, there's gonna be nowhere to run. And nor will you find any precious metals by the time that happens
0: good to get positioned now. You know, um we'll we'll end it on this uh, and I'll give you a chance to share where people can go to find out more information on you and, you know, honestly, you're you're always a blessing to to us to when you share this information with us. Uh but it, it's um I always almost envy people who haven't necessarily been in this for the during the, the duration of the bear market. The people that are coming into it right now going, "Hey, I wonder if I should buy some gold and silver." And then they do and and then it's that moment of like yeah this is a great time to buy because i think we're really close to something really big happening uh because a lot of people who've been in this for a while they're demoralized you know and i know we talked about that and i'm not going to belabor that point but i think now is the moment you know i think if you want to get prepared you want to have you want to own an asset that's below 50 percent of where it was in 1980 you know, check silver out, you know, reach out to Andy, talk to, talk to him. I mean, you know, Andy's so personal. And I, and I, again, I appreciate you for that, but Andy uh, maybe a closing thought and where people can go, yeah. if they want to visit you and uh, maybe uh, see what some of the latest deals are.
1: My, my closing thought, first of all, is in terms of demoralization, um, you're owning it for the wrong reason. If you are demoralized period, uh, gold and silver are not an investment. They're wealth. They've been wealth for six thousand years, and when the dust clears after the shit hits the fan, you'll be glad that you own gold and silver. Be careful what you wish for, is the old saying. That if you wish for higher gold and silver prices, that will come as a byproduct of a dollar that's getting clubbed, and which is going to happen. Um, in terms of where to find us, um, you know. We're building a new website. I have resisted the online platform for a very long time. Um, The promise that I've made to the industry over the last two years is that I'll I'll do my best and I have with great success of beating any price in the United States. Uh, We've been at this longer than all the online companies uh, for 31 years, we're licensed and bonded. Uh, That's why I left my corporate office in the state of Minnesota, even though I moved to to, um, Florida because it's the only state in America that requires licensing and bonding in a federally unregulated industry. We are um, held to a much higher standard on top of never having a complaint ever, uh, customer complaint, can't find it on Google. On top of being one of only 27 companies ever approved by the US Mint as an authorized reseller, we are also licensed and bonded. Maybe the only major company in the country that can say that. And that's important in a federally non-regulated industry. So we'll beat every price best we can with great success. Uh, We have supply chains that I believe have been the best performing in the past 18 months as other companies have ran out of product. We continue to find it because we've developed relationships over three decades with everyone from the very top distributors in the mints as a US mint reseller, all the way down to the mid tier and the low tier that a lot of the other companies don't even know. Uh, we will, um, if people call us and mention crush the street, uh, we will, um, personally, I will personally make sure that they're getting my personal attention and, uh, the, the best price in the country. They can uh, email me directly at Andy at miles, Franklin, uh, mention crush the street, and I will uh, personally reply and uh, make it a good experience for, for your, your listeners. So, um, uh, Terms of specials, you know, you know the type of prices. Uh, we're selling U.S. Silver Eagles at uh, 7.99 over the price of silver. That seems ridiculous. I almost choke on it coming out. Yet it'll be probably two dollars cheaper than anyone in the country for 2021 Silver Eagles. We're selling uh, 2022 uh, Silver Britannias for 3.75 over 2021 Austrian Philharmonics for 3.75 over. These will be the best prices in the country. Uh, Gold numismatics, I can beat anyone, anyone. I'll beat ITM trading by $200 a coin. Um, All I'm simply trying to say is that, um, give us a chance for your precious metal sales. Our reputation is amongst the very best, I believe the best in the industry, never had a complaint, licensed and bonded, U.S. Mint distributors. And I will make sure that your listeners get to the best of my ability the very best price in the United States and whatever they buy.
0: Thanks, Andy. Uh, we always appreciate your time and, uh, everyone I've referred has always had a great experience and, and nothing with that. Even pro- close personal friends, uh, have had, had said the same thing. So, uh, appreciate always you. appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hope to see you one of these days. We'll have to play around to golf and, uh, and uh, maybe even get your cousin to join us. So uh, anyways, I wish you and yours the very best, and I look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks, Andy.